This Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by Station Casinos STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to the Golden Edge podcast sponsored by Station Casinos STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire. Here's your host, Ben Goats. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge podcast, the podcast with the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey i am ben goats your review journal golden knights beat writer and we have so much to talk about today phil the thrill is a golden knight if you have not heard we're diving deep into the knight's latest signing we have some goalie news uh, that is going to be very important to get to and as we're going to try to make a regular feature on this show we've got some twitter questions uh from listeners and readers that we want to throw on at the end as well so that you guys feel like you are a part of the show. Very excited for all the hockey talk we got for you today. Before we get started, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by Station Casinos STN Sports. We are presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. I had two stories go up for you guys yesterday on the Knights' latest signing and on the goalie news that I'll get into later. Um, so if you want to read more about both those things, please check out our website. I'll have some follow-ups coming uh, later in this week as well so make sure you're checking back out to our website for all the latest on the nights uh, we are also presented by blue wire and if you guys could rate review subscribe whatever you do to podcast please do this one we would very much appreciate it all right guys so once again the knights have said hey august is supposed to be the slow time of the nhl calendar we don't think so we have other ideas we are bringing in phil kessel on a one-year, $1.5 million contract. That was announced Wednesday. We are recording Friday. I was at the Aviators game when this broke, and so uh, I had to type out a lovely story uh, on my phone to get posted. So that was a fun adjustment for me. I still got to see the Aviators uh, win the game. I got to see the three-run home run that uh, Christian Pache hit in the bottom of the eighth inning. So that was good. But it was also very exciting to see the news that the Knights have signed uh, Phil Kessel, of all people. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with Phil's work, he is really just an NHL icon. He is a one-of-a-kind talent who has a lot of uh, opinions thrown out about him, but he, no matter what you think of him, he makes the National Hockey League just all that more interesting um, by his presence. Uh, so why do I say that? For those of you that are not familiar with uh, Phil Kessel, I'll talk a little bit about him and his career before diving into his kind of specific fit on the Knights and what expectations should maybe be for him. Uh, if you love goals, if you love playoff heroics, and you love Iron Men who never miss a game, Phil Kessel is your guy. Uh, he has 399 career goals. That's the 13th most among active players. That's the 13th most all-time among, among American-born players. Uh, Phil Kessel is from Madison, Wisconsin, and attended the University of Minnesota, where a young, uh, impressionable hockey fan may or may not have watched him because his parents had season tickets to the University of Minnesota games. Um, he has six 30-goal seasons in his career. He has 12 20-goal seasons. Uh, he just has this unique talent for putting the puck uh, in the back of the net. Uh, so that's his goal scoring in terms of playoff stuff. Uh, Phil was one of the Penguins' best players for their back-to-back Stanley Cup runs in 2016 and 2017. Uh, according to TSN, because Conn Smythe votes weren't public at the time, uh, in 2016, Kessel was the runner-up uh, for the Conn Smythe Trophy for playoff MVP behind Sidney Crosby in what was an incredibly 
tight race. He was that good. Uh, the next year, 2017, when the Penguins won their second straight cup, he was fourth in the Conn Smythe voting. Then it became public starting in 2017. So he has been very productive in the playoffs before. He's got two Stanley Cups. Uh, so that's a very big point on his resume. And then the other one, the Ironman thing, he's played 982 consecutive games. That is 12 full seasons plus more, plus most of another. Uh, that is the second longest streak all time and could become the longest by October. Kessel has played every single game since November 3rd, 2009. Uh, that's when he was still with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has not missed a game since then. His dedication is such that March 8th, he was expecting the birth of his first child. He takes one shift against the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit, leaves the arena now that his you know consecutive game streak is intact, gets on a private plane, flies back to Arizona because he was with the Coyotes, and makes it in time for the birth of his daughter. That is Phil Kessel. That is his dedication. The dude does not take games off. Uh, all those are very good things and very positive attributes for Phil Kessel. And one of the reasons why he certainly is probably a borderline Hall of Fame player will have a chance to actually go in whenever his career wraps up. He's 34 years old right now. He's going to turn 35 in October. So he'll basically be 35 throughout this entire season. So you know, who knows how much longer he's actually going to play. Uh, all very good things about Phil Kessel. Now, Phil Kessel might not be for you if, you know, you are someone that enjoys watching uh, defense and committed backchecking and, you know, some of these subtleties of playing 200-foot hockey that the Knights often, you know, espouses these great virtues because they've had all these uh, great 200-foot players at the top of their lineup. Uh, that is not Phil Kessel. That is not uh, where he makes his money, where he makes his bones as a hockey player. And that's frustrated, I think, some of his teams and coaches throughout his career. Uh, he ended up, you know, kind of leaving town. His first two stops in Boston and Toronto and kind of left people, uh, I think, frustrated in both stops before kind of realizing his kind of potential in Pittsburgh. And I think one of the things that really happened with the Penguins is that they embraced who Phil Kessel uh, was rather than who they would like Phil Kessel to be. I think all these kind of, you know, coaches and media and fans kind of wanted him to evolve into this kind of complete hockey player. And it's just not who Phil Kessel is. But Pittsburgh, you know, kind of embraced that and I think found a role in which he was very successful. A lot of people cite his line. It was called the uh, HP, HBK line, Haglin, Benino, and Kessel, that was Pittsburgh's third line for their back-to-back -back Stanley Cup runs, and it was their third line, but it was probably their best line because kind of depth scores and depth uh, defensemen couldn't handle them on opposing teams. That's something that you know Pete DeBoer cited because he saw that firsthand when he was coaching the San Jose Sharks against those Penguins in the Stanley Cup final. That was kind of the ideal that Pete DeBoer sought with Alex Tuck on the Knights' third line as he literally brought up the HPK line as an example of like, this is what we want. This is what wins in the playoffs. So, you know, the Penguins kind of, you know, tried to, you know, move around Kessel's deficiencies a little bit by putting him on like kind of a depth scoring line and then loading him up on their first power play unit. So he could really showcase his skills kind of to the best of his ability. And he wouldn't be necessarily asked to take on a lot of tough matchups defensively and all that stuff, since that's not, where he excels at. So I think, you know, if you're the Knights, where does that put him on this team? I think you're trying to mimic the role he had in Pittsburgh. 
as much as possible. Uh, as I think everyone listening is aware, the Knights need scoring because they've lost Max Pacioretty, Evgeny Zdanov, and Matthias Janmark this offseason, so he helps there. I think everyone knows the power play has been a huge issue for this team the last couple of years. They were 25th in power play percentage last season. Well, now adding Phil Kessel to potentially even the top unit goes a long way. Uh, and I think it's worth pointing out that Kessel kind of fits this mindset that general manager Kelly McCrimmon really you know, has brought up a lot and seems to be trying to push next year of like, I want a team that has something to prove. I want a team that kind of has a chip on its shoulder. For most of the Knights players, he's kind of cited that as being, hey, we missed the playoffs. You know, I want guys that are hungry to kind of go back out and prove that we can still be that team that goes deep in the playoffs. Um, for Kessel, it kind of seems that after the last three years he had in Arizona, which didn't go according to plan, they did make the playoffs in the bubble. His first year lost in the first round in five games to Colorado, then didn't make the playoffs in the shortened season in 2021 and had the second worst record in the NHL this past year. I mean, it seems like he's kind of bringing that same attitude of, you know, I feel like I've been overlooked a little bit and I kind of want to you know, reestablish where I kind of was at at the peak of my career, especially in those Penguins years. And here's kind of Ketzel talking about that directly uh, to on a Zoom call yesterday. You know, I'm very excited. Obviously, I think, you know, over the last couple of years, you get lost here and, you know, people don't view you um, anymore like you used to be viewed. And, you know, I don't think that's the case. And, you know, I'm very motivated to come in here and help this team and, you know, try to contend. And, you know, uh, you know, like I said, I'm very motivated and I think I'm going to have a great year. So, like I said, I think what Phil is talking about there makes a lot of sense because he's a guy that came off of you know, two back-to-back runs in Pittsburgh. He's playing with Sidney Crosby. He's playing with Evgeny Malkin. He's playing with Chris Letang, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury for both those runs, you know, got some time. And then, of course, he goes to Arizona, and it's just not the same. Um, Like I said, they did try that first year. They even traded for Taylor Hall, if people remember that. But then they just went backwards, and that's, you know, not – uh, what situation that I think Phil wanted to be in, especially as he kind of grows later in his career. And I think, you know, as a guy who's been a proven scorer, who can, you know, be a really good passer, but isn't necessarily like a guy that drives a line just because he's not an elite skater or anything like that. Having a bad environment um, around him, I think, affects him more than a lot of other kind of, you know, high-end skill players, uh, just because Phil needs someone to get him the puck in the right spot so he can get a shot off. He needs other people to get in the right spot so he can set them up with his really good passing ability. But he needs help around him in order to kind of bring out the best in him. Um, I think it's worth noting that, you know, I'd say all that, but Phil's did numbers did take a significant step back, especially last season. Uh, he scored only eight goals last year, which is a career low. So obviously I think you can blame some of that on the environment. The key question for the Knights is going to be how much was it, you know, with the team around him? How much, of course, is that just him as he gets towards the end of his career? Like I said, he's going to turn 35 uh, in a little bit more than a month here in October. How much is that a sign of his skills declining and him not being the player that he, you know, once was? Uh, That's a huge red flag if that is the case for the Knights because, like I said, Phil is not the most well-rounded player in the world. So if his kind of goal scoring and passing skills start to slip a little bit, if he's not a guy who's kind of been, uh, you know, an automatic 20 goal scorer for most of his career and then a kind of 30 goal scorer for a good chunk of his career, 
if he's not that guy for, for the Knights, he's not providing value in some of the other ways that would make him, you know, a very useful player for this team as they try to get back to the playoffs. He needs to be scoring goals in order for him to be boosting the Knights' chances to win. We'll see if he's able to kind of get back to the player he was even in the shortened season in 2021 where he scored 20 goals in 56 games. You know, it's a bet for the Knights. They're making a calculated kind of risk here. But for $1.5 million against the cap, uh, you can certainly understand why they felt that this was a move worth making. And Phil did address, you know, last season uh, on a Zoom call yesterday. And here's what he had to say about kind of his career low production in terms of goals. I'm pretty, you know, I've been skating quite a bit this summer so far. Uh, uh, I, I, it's an anomaly. I think uh, it is what it is. It happened, but, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure the year before I had 20 in a shorter season. So um, sometimes they don't go in. You know, I play, so I play a long time. You go through streaks, you go through ups and downs, but uh, I expect them to, to come back, and I think they're going to come back better. So time is obviously going to tell, you know, how the Knights fare uh, after signing Phil Kessel, but I think it obviously does fill, as we've talked about, a need on this team where they needed a secondary scorer. They needed a guy who they could kind of move potentially up and down the lineup a little bit, even though I think Phil would probably thrive more lower in the lineup at five on five and then get more time on the power play uh, specifically, but he makes sense for a lot of reasons. And even though there are things to be concerned about, I think there are also reasons to be optimistic about it. And at one and a half million dollars, it's not a huge swing for the Knights to take. And more than anything else, uh, it's just going to be entertaining. I think uh, Phil Kessel is certainly a guy whose career I've enjoyed watching uh, from afar or, you know, like I said, when I was in college or he was in college, observing him up close a little bit. So I think he definitely makes the Knights, uh, no matter what you think of his, him as a player, he makes the Knights much more interesting next season. So that was the uh, one of the big pieces of news of the week that Phil Kessel is joining the Golden Knights. The other huge piece of news uh, that we got is, of course, General Manager Kelly McCrimmon hopped on a Zoom call to discuss the Kessel signing, but he talked about a lot of other things, including the Knights goalie situation now that Robin Leonard is expected to miss the entire year uh, because of a hip injury that requires surgery. Uh, McCrimmon actually said Leonard needs surgery on both hips, and he has already uh, believes he has already had one done, and then there's about a 10-week waiting period between surgeries, but Leonard is going to have a procedure uh, on both hips. And in the wake of that, uh, you know, obviously the Knights have had some questions floated about, okay, well, what are they going to do at goaltender? Are they going to look to add someone via free agency or trade? We've talked about it a lot on this show the last couple of weeks. Here's what Kelly McCrimmon had to say about that. Uh, with respect to our goaltending heading into the 22-23 season, we'll be going with the tandem of Laurent Brissois and Logan Thompson. Uh, Laurent is a proven uh, NHL goaltender that's uh, enjoyed a good career. I thought he played a lot of real good hockey for us uh, last year. And uh, and in Logan Thompson, uh, like a lot of you, I think we're uh, really excited and intrigued by uh, by his talent, his upside, his competitiveness. He made a real good impression uh, in a short sample at the end of last season. So that'll be the approach that we take uh, to our goaltending. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. 
with 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit. So there you have it. It's officially going to be a Logan Thompson and Laurent Brassois tandem, which I think is what we kind of expected. Um, as we've talked about on the show, there really is just no one in free agency at this point of the offseason to go out and get. Braden Holtby is a name that kind of pops off the page in terms of guys that are available, but TSN has reported he's expected to sit out uh, this entire next season because of injuries. Um, and then the trade market you know, also doesn't really offer a whole a lot. We talked about some specific names uh, last week about Semyon Varlamov and Jake Allen, but there's now reason, you know, as we laid out, to think that those guys probably are not available. The other guy uh, that was discussed is like maybe James Reimer of the San Jose Sharks, but as I talked about on uh, last week's show, you know, is he a half step up from Laurent Brassois? Maybe. Is he a significant enough upgrade where you feel the need if you're the Knights to go out and trade a significant asset to bring him in? You know, probably not. And so it sounds like the Knights had these kind of internal discussions and they decided, you know what, we think that these two guys give us the best chance uh, right now. So we're going to roll with uh, Logan Thompson and uh, Laurent Brassois whenever he gets healthy. Brassois had off-season hip surgery. McCrimmon didn't provide kind of uh, an updated timeline as to when exactly Brassois will be ready. It still sounds like it's a question whether he will be good to go by opening night or not. So we'll know more about that situation probably closer to training camp. Uh, in terms of how we got here, in terms of this goaltender uh, situation, specifically with Leonard McCrimmon, did provide a little bit uh, of a timeline as to how it came to pass that they were announcing that their starting goalie was going to miss the entire year uh, in mid-August. So Leonard, to start out, as I think a lot of people know, had shoulder surgery uh, May 4th. So he rehabbed that for about a month in Las Vegas and then uh, you know, decided to then go back home to Sweden to spend a good chunk of the offseason. You know, around that time, it sounds like his hips started bothering him, which is a very common goaltending injury. Like I said, Brassois is actually coming off hip surgery. A lot of goaltenders have their hips done at some point, either during their careers or after their careers, because it's just this area on the body that just undergoes, I mean, significant stress when you're playing that position. I mean, I think a lot of us can picture Marc-Andre Fleury kind of getting in his butterfly stance with kind of those legs on the ice spraying behind him and how much that can affect your hips as you're moving around there. It's just not obviously something that our hips were necessarily designed to do. So it's a very common sore spot uh, for goaltenders. So I'd think the Knights obviously understood that his hips were, you know, kind of hurting a little bit. They didn't know the severity of what Leonard was dealing with because he was back home in Sweden. So they didn't get a full picture of what was going on until he comes back to Las Vegas to kind of finish up uh, his shoulder rehab in late July. The Knights are then able to have some testing done on his hips as well. That he goes for MRIs and all that stuff. And they look at that and they immediately go to a specialist in Nashville uh, who looks at him and the specialist basically says he's not going to be able to make it through a season. And actually I would recommend we take care of this surgically as soon as possible. And McCrimmon says they basically got that feedback August 10th and it was 9am August 11th that they announced. Yep. Leonard is expected to miss this entire season uh, because he needs surgery 
on now we know both hips. So that's probably going to be a lengthy rehab process for Robin Leonard, and we will have to see when exactly he's going to be able to return to full strength again. So that's kind of the timeline of how this all went down. Obviously, how it all went down was uh, very unfortunate for the Knights and not ideal for them at all in terms of they don't understand the severity of Robin Leonard's situation until late July. Free agency was July 13th, so you know they are operating in free agency when they're trading away Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coughlin to clear cap space. Like They're not exactly sure what's going to happen with Robin Leonard, but he's still in their plans at that point. And that not only forces them to kind of make that Pacioretty and Coughlin trade at the time to clear up cap space, but it also prevents them from, you know, kind of having wandering eyes in the goalie market and, and knowing for sure, like, okay, should we go get another goalie at this point? Or should we be exploring trades for goaltenders? They're not involved in those discussions because at that point, they don't know that Robin Leonard is expected to miss the year. So the timing really hurts them. How this all uh, kind of happened in terms of a timeline this offseason was just not ideal at all. It really affected their offseason plans. And I think that's... Uh, ended up being a big reason why Pacioretty ended up getting dealt. And it's a big reason why they kind of have to go with the Logan Thompson, Laurent Brassois tandem almost by default at this point, because, you know, as we can, I addressed earlier, it's not like there's a great plan B out there for them that was waiting for them to go instead of, you know, either Logan Thompson or Laurent Brassois. So they're going to be relying on those two guys, you know, to carry the net for them next year and the ninth season is probably going to kind of sink or swim on how those two guys are going to do. It's obviously a risky bet for the Knights because Logan Thompson has only played 20 NHL games, though there is a lot, a lot of promise there and a lot of things to like. And Bersois has kind of been a backup his entire career. There's also upside, you know, in both guys as well in terms of Logan Thompson being a guy who performed very well as a rookie last year. So if he builds on that, the Knights may really have something there for a guy that's actually not making that much more than the league minimum. And Brassois, for a good chunk of last year, for about the first half of his season, did perform very well for the Knights. So if he has his hip fixed and he's feeling healthy and he can perform like that, then the Knights might end up being pretty well set in net, especially because Bruce Cassidy's defensive system, the goal is to make life a lot easier on those two goaltenders. So it's very possible the Knights are able to coax elevated performances out of their goaltenders and still be fine in net, even though I think how this all played out this offseason uh, was far from what they would have wanted. And obviously losing your starting goaltender in mid-August and not being able to really pivot is a really difficult position that they found themselves in. But this is how they kind of plan to make the best of it. Um, all right, so that's those two big pieces of news. I'm going to wrap this up. With some Twitter questions, I got some very good ones. Um, there's even some that were still coming in this morning that I will uh, try to include. But if you sent me a question on Twitter and wanted it read on the podcast and I didn't get to it, I'm uh, very sorry. I had a lot going on this morning trying to make sure we're all finalized uh, for this podcast. And I was also trying to do some follow-up interviews uh, you know, for some stories that I'm excited about telling about Phil Kessel and everything. So the uh, first question... I'm going to take, and once again, if you want to send me a question, you know, on Twitter, just for this podcast, you can find me at Ben S. Goats, G-O-T-Z on Twitter, or my email is bgoats, B-G-O-T-Z, at reviewjournal.com. Uh, this is from at OJ Carrasco asking, where is Kessel going to play? I mean, I addressed this a little bit earlier, but I think, 
you know, the ideal spot for Phil Kessel is probably not in the Knights top six, at least to start. I think you would still want, you know, in terms of the right wing depth chart for it to go Mark Stone, Riley Smith. And now maybe then you slide Phil Kessel in um, because I think, you know, that's a role that the Knights really need. That middle six guy who can provide scoring in a bottom six role like Alex Tuck and Evgeny Dodonov have done in the past. And then you can move Phil up the lineup potentially if Stone or Smith were to miss games or if you need to juggle the lines. Somehow uh, Phil Kessel has that ability to play higher up in the lineup, but I think he's most effective, as was shown in his time in Pittsburgh, you know, lower in the lineup, providing that depth scoring. And then you kind of juice his minutes a little bit on the power play where he's a bottom six forward at five on five, but he's a kind of a top end power play guy. Once the Knights are able to draw a penalty, I think I would, I would be pretty surprised if Jack Eichel and Phil Kessel were not getting a lot of power play time together. And that's a combination that really has the potential to pop uh, next season. You know, I'm not exactly sure how the lines would then shake out. I'm sure Bruce Cassidy, uh, now that this news has become official is still kind of going through in his mind, how all these lines are going to shake out. I think there will be a lot of experimenting in training camp, and there's a lot of different ways that he can go. Um, I know I touched on this, I think, last show, and you know, for those of you that followed along to my kind of depth chart series that I did at ReviewJournal.com, you know, the fact that the Knights have so many centers that can both play down the middle and then bump out to wing just gives them a lot of different options as to how they're going to construct this lineup. So do you want, you know, William Carlson to play center? Do you want him to play wing? with potentially a guy like Phil Kessel because William Carlson can be more that, you know, defensive back checker on a line that has Phil Kessel providing more of the offensive contributions. That's something that would be interesting to me, but you could also then keep William Carlson down the middle. You could put Chandler Stevenson, you know, on a wing just to have his speed uh, make up for kind of Phil Kessel's deficiencies and he can open up space for Phil. You could have Stevenson play that role at center or on the wing. There's just a lot of options for Bruce Cassidy to play with. And I expect him to, like I said, try out a bunch of stuff in training camp and kind of see what sticks. Because I think the fact that the Knights are so deep at center, as deep as they've ever been at that position um, in their now going on sixth season, I think that gives them a lot of kind of versatility in terms of the lines that they can deploy. And it gives them a lot of options as to how they're ultimately going to construct this lineup. But I, I do believe the Knights, you know, McCurman referred to Kessel as a top nine forward yesterday which I think was intentional in terms of you know they probably in an ideal spot would want to start him on the third line and then only move him up you know if injuries or something else ended up coming up uh the next question I have which is a very funny question uh this is from uh, Matt Jacks uh SIN 21 uh what condiments does Kessel prefer uh first of all directly to answer this question I believe it's no condiments and this is in reference to the famous uh, Phil Kessel hot dog uh, saga that's still kind of ongoing and is a running joke. And I wanted to include that just because, like, I wanted to, like, explain this story for people that are, like, very confused about, like, why is everyone making hot dog jokes now that the Knights have signed Phil Kessel? Or why is Phil Kessel's uh, emoji potentially in the Knights lineup going to be a hot dog, which the Twitter account kind of hinted, like, his emoji might be a hot dog uh, next season. Uh, it's a very weird, strange story as to how we got to like, you know, Phil Kessel being associated with hot dogs and Phil eventually kind of being in on the bit. So I wanted to at least run down the basics 
on this podcast so people have like some context because I had to remind myself of like all that happened for this to be like a story that's like stuck with Kessel now a, a very good chunk of his career it's about sec- seven years old um, at this point so when Kessel was traded from the Maple Leafs to the Penguins in the summer of 2015 which ended up working out great for Pittsburgh because they just won back-to-back Stanley Cups the next two years. Um, Phil got hit like on the door a little bit on his way out by a longtime Toronto Star columnist, uh, Steve Simmons, who wrote a column. Basically, you know, the bulk of the column was about the Maple Leafs grew frustrated by what they thought was Phil's lack of a commitment uh, to the game and lack of responsibility and, and, and everything. And like I said, that's kind of evident. You know, like there are definitely holes to poke in Phil's game if you want to do that um, but the way that he illustrated it to start off this column was explaining that uh, Phil Kessel apparently every day went to the same exact hot dog stand in Toronto got a hot dog ate it and this was like explaining you know basically like this is how Phil Kessel kind of takes care of his body and his commitment and nutrition and like this is just one example of how he has frustrated his way uh, out of Toronto the problem with this lead that uh, Steve Simmons articulated is that one, he like named cross streets for where this vendor supposedly was. And uh, a Maple Leafs blog called pension plan puppets, like did the math and like, here's where we think Phil Kessel lives. Here's where this hot dog stand allegedly is. They're not close together. So this makes no sense that Phil, uh, I believe in their explanation would have to like walk a half hour each day there and back to get this hot dog. They're like, that seems strange. Um, later, Steve Sims clarified like, Oh, there was a mix up with my source on this story. And actually, you know, the cross streets I used were not, uh, the real cross streets, but I stand by the rest of the story and whatever. Uh, but it kind of took on a life of its own where people were still, you know, poking at prodding and questioning, is this actually a real story? Uh, Phil Kessel's sister, uh, Amanda, who's like an incredibly decorated, uh, us women's player. She, I covered her actually at the university, of Minnesota, where she was once part of an undefeated national champion team. She's actually playing for Team USA at the Women's World Championship right now. Uh, Amanda Kessel is an incredible, incredible player. She's also a winger. Um, yeah, she's been awesome and has been a longtime member of Team USA. But she once, you know, did a Q&A for Team USA, and someone, you know, like, asked her, like, does your brother really like, like hot dogs? And she's like, uh, not really. Like, not this much. Uh, and actually got off the phone with Rick Tockett, uh, this morning, who, of course, coached uh, Phil Kessel as an assistant on the Stanley Cup winning uh, Penguins teams. He was uh, Phil's head coach for his first two years in Arizona. And he was like, I've never seen Phil eat a hot dog. Uh, so there's a lot of people disputing you know, the story. It's just a very weird story. It was a very weird way to kind of kick Phil you know, on his way out of town. Um, but he kind of embraced it to the point where on uh, the second time he won the Stanley Cup, because he won it each of his first two years uh, coming uh, to Pittsburgh, he literally put hot dogs in the Stanley Cup and posed for a photo with it. Uh, they didn't have condiments on it, to get back to the original question. But yeah, Phil like put hot dogs in the Stanley Cup uh, and like took a photo, posted it to Instagram and everything to kind of poke fun at this you know column that basically you know called him uh, you know lazy and not dedicated. And he was like, well, you know, I just won two Stanley Cups in a row, and there's you know a lot of other evidence that points to like apparently at the training camp before. Uh, this column happened, you know, before Phil's last season in Toronto, he was apparently one of the top testers at their, you know, pre-training camp workouts. Uh, so there's a lot, you know, of evidence to show that, like, that's probably not the thing to poke 
fun it Phil for like we've already talked about the Iron Man streak that he has where he's about to set the NHL record for you know consecutive games played he's played through you know I'm sure innumerable injuries throughout his career um, and there definitely are still like a very much holes to poke in Phil's game in terms of you know skating defense all this stuff he's not a perfect player he's not a particularly well-rounded player or whatever but for a lot of people this column specifically being like Phil you know ate a bunch of hot dogs and that's why the Maple Leafs want him out of town it missed the mark uh initially and then it missed the mark with a lot of follow-up kind of questions about you know a lot of people close to Phil uh don't really understand where the the column was uh coming from but I know Steve Simmons you know a little bit later stood by it defended it and everything but that's kind of the backstory to Phil Kessel's uh, reputed hot dog obsession that a lot of people uh, very close to him have uh, openly questioned. But that's where all the hot dog jokes and uh, the, you know, potential hot dog emoji come from just to have people have some context uh, for that. Um, And then last question I want to get to uh, before I sign off here is from uh, at Timothy Hansford. Uh, who's the next move they're going to want to fill all of Leonard's cap? So are they going to sign another player? If so, who might it be? Um, so as we talked about on last show, the Knights kind of had two directions that they could go with the fact that Leonard is going to be on long-term injured reserve, presumably the entire season, which gives the Knights roughly $5 million of spending power. But they either had to spend it all this offseason or bank it all for spending it all you know, during the season, potentially with like adding guys via trade and stuff like that. So obviously signing Phil Kessel, you know, cuts into that, which makes it, I think, much more likely that they're going to either potentially sign someone else at some point or look to make other moves around the edges of this roster. And that's what's going to help them kind of maximize this cap flexibility that they've gained from Robin Leonard, unfortunately, being out for the entire year. So I haven't like... 100% 100% crunch the numbers yet. I don't know exactly how much spending power they'll ultimately be left with now that Kessel has signed. A big variable still for that is Nick Haig's next contract. Kelly McCrimmon, you know, reiterated yesterday that the pri- you know now Nick Haig is priority number one. That's their goal is to get him re-signed before training camp. They're hopeful and optimistic that they'll be able to do so. Um, just a reminder that last uh, offseason, the Knights signed uh, restricted free agents Dylan Coughlin and Nolan Patrick, who are kind of in the same you know, spot as Hag is right now. Uh, those guys both signed within the last eight days before training camp. So it's not, you know, unusual or panic time yet that Nick Hag is unsigned, but that is something that the Knights still have to get done. And I think once he's in the picture, that'll, you know, give us a lot more clarity in terms of, okay, how much space is left over? What are we looking at here? What is the Knights, um, you know, potential avenues now to get someone else to this roster um, because I do think it's uh, worth pointing out, as this question asks, that you know the fact that they have now brought in Phil Kessel makes it more likely that there is potentially another move still to come. It does sound like that move would likely happen closer to training camp, because now, as McCurman said yesterday, the Knights are shifting their focus to, uh, we got to get Nick Hag re-signed. We're going to see what that number is, and then I'm guessing once they have that number locked down, that's when they'll go out and reevaluate some other options and kind of see what else they might be able to do because they want to make sure that they're fitting Nick Hagen uh, under the cap and they want to see exactly, you know, what uh, 
his deal leaves them with because if they do a short-term deal with him that might leave them more room to play with if they end up doing a long-term deal with him like they kind of did with Nick Waugh this offseason like they did with Zach Whitecloud at the beginning of last season that would probably result in Hag getting a bigger um, number a bigger AAV and that would leave them less room to kind of play around with and spend so it sounds like that's kind of the plan of we'll get Hag back in the fold and reassess but I think it is worth pointing out as this question does that the fact that the Knights have brought in Phil Castle means that there still might be another domino or two to come before the season starts um, once they get probably Hag re-signed. Uh, but for now, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. Hopefully everyone enjoyed all of the Phil Kessel talk, even when it came to hot dogs, uh, enjoyed the goalie updates and whatever else is going on uh, with the Golden Knights. Uh, once again, uh, this podcast is sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports. We are presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. As I said, I've got stories on all these topics up on the website now. I hope to have uh, at least another Phil Castle story up very soon for you guys to uh, hopefully enjoy based on the conversation I had with Rick Tockett this morning. Tockett was great. Had some really funny Phil stories that I hope to share with you guys. Um, I think you'll really enjoy that story once it comes out. So make sure to be checking for that at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, we are also presented by Blue Wire. And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Goats. This is the Golden Edge Podcast. I'll talk to you guys again real soon. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit.